0: Okay, welcome, everyone, for our lesson tonight. We are on Lesson 28 of our Three Angels series. The title tonight is Living the Christian Life, in particular, in these last days of Earth's history. So before we jump into this lesson, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your incredible blessings and your love. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to seek you. And we pray that you would open up your word to our understanding this evening, that we may know the truth as it is in Jesus. Lord, prepare our hearts and our minds for your soon second coming. We just pray that you will guide us and lead us by your blessed spirit. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at our lesson tonight, the Bible warns us that in the last days, evildoers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We find that in 2 Timothy 3.13. And so we're seeing this today in our world. We're seeing evildoers growing worse and worse. And we we want to be ready for Christ to come. We know that He is coming soon. And as God's people, we don't want to follow that trend, do we? That trend of... Of the tides of evil that are getting worse. Because sometimes what happens is we look at ourselves relative to the world and we say, well, you know, see we're not as bad as the world, but if you're following a a downward trend, if you're following the world and saying, well, I'm just a little better than the world, okay, you're going to keep going the wrong direction. Our eyes need to be on Christ. Our eyes need to be on Jesus. If we're going to live the Christian life successfully, We need to live it by following Jesus, by following our Savior. That is an absolute must. And so the question here is, how can we be sure that our daily lifestyle choices will reflect the character and the will of Jesus Christ? How can we be sure that our choices are reflecting Jesus's character and will? Any thoughts? How can we be how can we be sure that our choices are reflecting How would you know? Well, I would think we'd have to go back to the Bible, don't you? Right. Yes. Then we'd have to go back to the Word of God because the Word of God reveals to us the will of God. And it shows us Christ Jesus, our Savior, and what He's like, His character, His, His teachings, and what He calls us to be, who He calls us to be, and how He enables us to live for Him. All of those things are found right here in the Scriptures. And so we want to study in the Bible tonight in this lesson how we can be like Christ in these last days and not be following the trends of this wicked world around us while we are claiming to follow Christ. The first study question tonight is, what time of Earth's history does Revelation 14.7 tell us that we are living in? Let's take a look at Revelation 14.7. We probably might know this by now. Having studied the Three Angels series all the way up to this point, We're looking here at Revelation 14 and verse 7. And what does the Bible say? Revelation 14, 7.
1: Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him that made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters.
0: Thank you very much. So the Bible calls us to fear God and give glory to Him. And it says, For the hour of His judgment has come. We recognize, based on the three angels' messages and all of the prophecies surrounding them, in Daniel and Revelation, that we are now living in the judgment hour. That Jesus has not yet come. He's still coming. That harvest that is after the three angels' messages is still on the way. And the gospel right now is still being proclaimed in this last day context, right? The gospel is being proclaimed. And so we are living in the hour of God's judgment. This time has come. As a matter of fact, since we have studied these time prophecies, we know that the hour of God's judgment begins in the year 1844. Begins in the year 1844. It's still going on. We don't know exactly when it's going to close, but when the Lord closes it, it's going to start to become more evident because people will be sealed without the seal of God or the mark of the beast. And people are going to Take their sides. You're gonna see it happen. So we're living right now in the judgment hour, and we've been at this time for almost 180 years. It's like 179 right now, since 1844. In Noah's day, there was 120 years, especially before the flood came. We find that from Genesis 6.3. And we don't know. We just don't know how long until God says enough is enough. But you know, I, I do know this. I don't think it's going to go much longer. Do you? I don't
1: think
0: so. I don't think it's going to go much longer. The signs in the world, everything, and throughout the prophecies is telling us that this world's wrapping up. It's wrapping up quick. All the, the key players are coming into place. Everything is happening just as the Bible has told us. And so, during the judgment hour of Earth's history, what should we do in preparation for the coming of Jesus? How do we prepare for the coming of Jesus? The Bible tells us that something very particular would happen during the Day of Atonement anciently, and I want to go back and look at that with you in Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 29 of Leviticus 16. Verse 29 of Leviticus 16. And we're also going to look at verse 30. Do you have that for
2: us? This is to be lasting ordinance for you. On this 10th of the 7th month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native, born, or an alien living among you. Because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. And before the Lord, you will be cleaned from all your sins.
0: Okay, thank you very much. So, in these two verses, we, we see what would happen with the people on the Day of Atonement. Because keep in mind that the priest was doing the Atonement work. He was applying the blood of the sacrifice on behalf of the people on the Day of Atonement. Now, the, the Hebrew Day of Atonement came in the fall. It came in the fall. And that was the almost the last feast of the year. But it was the last feast of their... Their sanctuary, you know, their special sanctuary service sequence of the year. It was the closing event. It was the event done in the most holy place of the sanctuary. Whereas for the whole year, they would do everything in the daily uh, service and in the holy place of the sanctuary. But on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would come at that one point in the year into the most holy place. And he would do his work of applying the blood of the sacrifice. Now, in the time of Jesus, there's only one sacrifice, right? There's a the sacrifice of Jesus that happened on Calvary 2,000 years ago. That blood still applies today. The blood of Jesus is always efficacious, and so his blood still applies today, and he is simply ministering in the final phase, the closing phase of his work. So the priest had his work to do, but the people also had something to do during this time. The people were supposed to be searching their hearts and, and somehow participating in a spirit of, of seeking God. You notice in verse 29 where it said that on the 10th day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. I think the NIV version, how did it say? In verse 29? Yourself. Deny yourself, right? It says deny yourself. Um, King James says afflict your souls. In other words, it is it is soul searching time, right? It is a time to really seek God. And so during the Day of Atonement, the people would be searching their hearts before God and saying, Lord, you know, take away anything that's wrong in my heart. Take away anything that's wrong in my life. Cleanse me of my sins. And so the people were really, you know, praying about this and God told them that they, they should participate in the spirit of that hour, because essentially it was a judgment hour, that time that was being spent in the Day of Atonement. And so now we're living in the, not the type, but the anti-type, in other words, the real thing, the anti-typical Day of Atonement. And it tells us here that on that day, the priests would make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. You know, God was teaching how the plan of salvation would work. And he was saying that, look, this is going to happen. The Lord is going to finish up his work. And there is a cleansing work. So, for us today, who are living in the judgment hour, the Bible says, fear God and give glory to him. That's actually a call for us, isn't it? It's a call for us to fear God and give glory to him. And to worship him. We need to choose the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. We need to pray for cleansing and purifying from the Lord. Let's go now to 1 John in the New Testament, right before Revelation. 1 John chapter 3. In this chapter, 1 John 3, we find verses 2 and 3. It says this, I'm going to read this one. 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure." So according to the Bible, as a Christian, as a believer in Christ Jesus, do we need to be seeking purity in our lives? Should we seek to experience deeper holiness, right? Yeah, it tells us that, that we should be seeking for it if we have this hope in our hearts that we're looking forward to Jesus coming, which of course the three angels' messages are all over that message, preaching that Jesus is coming again. The harvest is coming. You have to be ripe and ready, but not in the wicked harvest, but in the righteous harvest. We need to be ripe and ready, fully following Jesus, fully surrendered to Him. And the Bible says, that if we have this hope in us, we need to be purifying ourselves even as He is pure. In other words, keep your eyes on Jesus. If we put our eyes on each other, we're going to be in trouble, right? If we put our eyes on Jesus, we're going to be in good shape. Because Jesus is perfect. And he is the the unerring standard. And He's the one who gives us power and strength and grace every day to be overcomers. So keep our eyes on Jesus. Stay focused on Him. Now, let's go on over to 2 Corinthians 6 to see how God calls us to separate from the things of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Can somebody read that for us when you find it?
1: And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people.
0: All right, in 17 and 18 as well.
1: 17 18. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty.
0: Okay, thank you very much. So the Bible tells us, it says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. God says, I will dwell in them and walk in them and be their God and they will be my people. So God wants intimacy with us, doesn't he? And he says that to have that intimacy, we need to come out away from the unclean things. He says, don't touch the unclean things. Don't go that direction because God is pure and holy. Right. And there's a lot of wicked things in this world, isn't there? A lot of filth, a lot of uncleanness. And God is saying, don't touch those things. Don't go there. He says, look, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Um, don't touch those things. He says, I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters. That is a promise from God. And so he is, he is giving us this called out lifestyle where he says, I don't want you, my people, to be like the world. I don't want you to be involved in those things of the world, the filth of the world, the stuff on the internet that is terrible today, uh, that people are being sucked into, this black hole of of bad content, right? So God is calling us away from those kinds of things. God is calling us away from the situations and the filth and even, even relationships that are toxic to the Spirit of God relationships that drag people down away from the Lord, relationships that drag people down into sin. God is saying, look, come apart and be separate. We find strength when we encourage each other as believers. We find strength when we we encourage the love of Jesus among each other, right? And we can encourage one another to prayer and to study of God's word. So God is calling us to that. And notice here in the same book, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 now, looking at verse 1. Who can read verse 1 for us?
1: Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves for everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God.
0: Okay, another very powerful text that lines up with what we just read. You know, the originally there weren't even chapter divisions here because that, that all came into the Bible later. So when this was originally written, the idea from the previous chapter and this idea, they're all connected. It says, Having therefore, as a conclusion of what we just read, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The three angels' messages call us to fear God and give glory to Him. This message of fearing God also has to do with a cleansing of the life, doesn't it? A cleansing of the heart, a cleansing of the mind when you fear God. The Bible says that we fear God and depart from evil. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So our lives begin to be cleaned up as we connect with God as we have a fear and love for god a reverence and respect for god and we seek the lord in prayer daily we seek him in his word and we also make those choices to come out from among them if we know that something is toxic to our faith we have to say wait a second that is not good for my faith i don't want it because it will influence me the wrong direction right we have to be able to say that that we are choosing those things that are good those things that are pure, those things that are righteous and holy because we want to be like Jesus. Because we don't want to be on the other side in the wrong harvest when Jesus comes again. We want our hearts to be fully, 100% sold for God. We want to be those people who are in a spirit of prayer during this antitypical day of atonement. The people who are seeking for that cleansing that the Lord wants to do in our lives. And so the Bible tells us here in this verse that we are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit so that pretty much involves everything doesn't it (laughs) the flesh and spirit so let your life let your actions let your mind let everything be made clean this is the work jesus is trying to do remember the cleansing of the sanctuary is what's happening right now the the day of atonement represents the day of judgment It's also known as the cleansing of the sanctuary, and God wants to cleanse the hearts of His people, the lives of His people during that time. So we start to see the pieces coming together. That God is saying, hey, now is the time to prepare for Jesus to come. Now is the time. There's a lot of people today that think and say, well, you know, when Jesus comes, then we'll get our lives right with God, you know? No, no. The time to seek the Lord is today. The time to repent of sin is now. The time to get right with God is now. And the time to let God work in our lives by His power, divine power, is right now. Let the Lord cleanse us now. Pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us to be in our hearts. This is what God is calling us to, this deeper experience with Him, this deeper walk with Him. So the Bible gives us some principles for how we can do that because it said it said, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And you notice the way that it says it, it, it actually shows us that we have, some, we have some choices to make, don't we? We have some choices to make. If, if the Apostle Paul says in Scripture, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if he says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, then he is saying that, that we have some personal responsibility here, right? He's saying we have some choices to make, for sure. Because God wants to do this work in us, but He never has removed our freedom of choice, right? He hasn't removed a free free will. We have to choose and say, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, please do your work in my life today. It's not something that we do it all by ourselves. It's, it's connecting with God and experiencing the transformation. But it is an active choice to surrender to God and to say no to the world. We have to make those choices. God's not going to take away that, those choices. Every day we make a lot of choices, don't we? And that shows who we love or what we love. Do we love God or do we love the world? We don't want to compromise the faith of Jesus Christ. So, Philippians 4 and verse 8 we're going to read about how we can filter some of the choices we make in this life.
1: Finally, Mm brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things.
0: There you go. So, Philippians 4a is a, an incredibly powerful Bible verse. This is a Bible verse that I'd recommend highlighting, memorizing, you know, make sure it's stuck in the mind, and then use it throughout everyday life. This is, the, this is God's filter right here to guide us in all of our choices. As, as we're faced with the, the media of the world, whether it's something we listen to on audio, whether it's TV, whether it's on the internet, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's even just the environment that we choose to put ourselves in, you know, from moment to moment. We can make a lot of choices again every day about what we do, how we spend our time, and even the conversations that we participate in. Sometimes you might want to say, you know, I don't think this is a good conversation to participate in, I'm I'm gonna have to step aside, right? I need to go somewhere else because this is not what I want to talk about. And this is not something that I think would glorify God, right? So sometimes we have to excuse ourselves from certain situations where the influence is is very negative towards holiness. It's not what the Lord desires. And everyone's got to make their choices, and we have to make our choices too on those things. Yes. So, So there in that verse, you notice some of the key points. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. So ask yourself, is this true? Or is it just gossip, (laughs) right? Or you might ask yourself, is this true or is it fiction? A lot of people are spending their time in fiction, fictionary stuff. When in fact, we have limited time on this planet, and why don't we fill our minds with truth? Why don't we learn the things that we know are true? Why don't we spend our time there? And, And also, we don't want to just jump into a bunch of conjecture either, right? We want stuff that, okay... There's something credible to this, right? That this is truth. Now, we do know that the the real heart of truth is the Bible, isn't it? Jesus says, thy word is truth. So you know that no, no matter how much time you spend in the Bible, I mean, that's perfect, right? You can make sure that you spend more time with the Bible. You'll know it's true. So the Bible will, again, help us to filter these things out. Then it says, whatsoever things are honest. So we don't want to hear lies, but we want what's honest. And then whatsoever things are just, you ask, is it just, right? Is it, is it righteous? Is it good? So we spend our time there. Whatsoever things are pure, is it pure or is it tainted? There's a lot of off-color jokes and things that are passed around in this world. A lot of things that are not pure, that are not holy, that do not uplift our thoughts to God. And people are so quick to drop something very negative into the group, right? and very negative into the conversation to just just bring the whole level down, you know? Making us think on a low level instead of lifting our heart and lifting our mind to God, right? And so it tells us here that we should think on those things which are pure. Because when you think on pure things, it gives us more of a pure heart. And in fact, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we want that. We want that purity. And we want to think on those things. It says also, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Now, too often we hear all the negative news. We hear all kinds of bad news. And you're probably better not to hear all the bad news, right? Probably don't spend so much time with the newscasters, (laughs) with the news, whatever it is, apps or papers. You know, there can be some things that are good, and that's okay. And maybe we need to know a little bit about, we should know kind of what's happening in the world, have an idea. But there's a lot of negative stuff, and in fact, the media is pretty famous for glorifying sin. You know, like, like even glorifying people who are committing terrible crimes. They, they glorify it like, like it's a sport, like it's a thing. And, and so the Bible says here that we should spend our time thinking about what's of good report and not bad report. And then it says if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, think on these things. So let that be the filter. When somebody says, hey, why don't we watch this movie? You might ask yourself, "Um, okay, is it gonna present to me like holy ideas or worldly ideas? Is it gonna glorify sin? Is it gonna glorify cursing, using God's name in vain, right? We have to ask those questions. Is it gonna give glory to God or is it gonna drag us all down? and drag our soul down away from the Lord, you know? Because the devil likes to bring in his toxic influences to try and destroy our souls, to try and plant the seeds of evil and to fight against purity so that, you know, even if we're getting something good, you know, in our Bible time or something good at church, then if the devil can dive bomb us with a bunch of filth from the world, he's gonna bring and suggest impure thoughts. He's gonna plant seeds of evil And sometimes, you know, he'll sneak up on you, you know, he'll bring in your relatives and they're like, hey, let's do something, oh, let's watch a movie. And you're like, uh, is that going to glorify Christ? And then you're like, well, should I find something like middle of the road? And then you think something's good and then you're like, that wasn't good at all. Mm -hmm. Right? Ever been in that situation? You're like, "Shouldn't shouldn't have thought about that. Shouldn't have done or shouldn't have watched or listened to that. You realize how filthy something really is, how impure something really is. And, and so you have to watch out for that. I've seen some of those situations even in my own family when I was visiting family that doesn't have the same convictions about God's Word. And then they just put something on or, or you think like, okay, that might be okay. And then you're like, oh, that was terrible, right? And, you know, just even when it comes on, you're like, mercy, we shouldn't be watching this, right? And so then you have to make a decision like, you know, maybe I'm going to go do something else, right? So, but, but hopefully we can avoid those situations as much as possible because you don't want to be under the influence of, of filth, right? Of evil. Um, when Jesus met with people, and the Bible says that Jesus drank with... I mean, He, like, he like was eating and drinking with publicans and sinners, but He wasn't sinning with publicans and sinners, right? He wasn't, he wasn't eating things that were toxic to His faith. He wasn't drinking things that would, that would destroy His faith. He wasn't doing that kind of stuff, right? So Jesus always, you know, he always sought to protect his spiritual life. And you will also notice that Jesus was not often alone unless he was alone with God. Do you notice that about Jesus? He was not often alone, except when he was just out in nature, you know, or working and doing something like, but he wasn't gonna go out like, okay, I'm gonna go on a mission to a bunch of people, who are sinners, and I'm not going to bring any of the saints. I'm not going to bring any of the believers around. No. He very often was surrounded by his disciples. He was taking the time. He would teach them, encourage them, and because they had an interest, you know, the disciples would say, hey, you know, tell us about the Bible. Tell us about the Word of God. And Jesus made it a point to lead things in the right way. Even when he would sit down at the table to eat with people, he would try to suggest things in the conversation that were of a pure and holy nature. People would ask Jesus Bible questions while eating. So, so really, you notice the influence that Jesus created. He chose to create this influence that, that people would, would talk more about the Lord when they were in his presence. And so Jesus was able to bring about that kind of a good environment. And we want to be, as the Bible says, Christians are called to be salt. called to be light salt changes the flavor of the soup god wants you and me to be able to change the flavor of the soup to be salt and to be light light dispels darkness light drives darkness away and so when we are in the presence of darkness who pray to god that we are filled with the holy spirit and bringing light to the situation that the light can drive away the darkness that those evil angels when you come there your god's holy angels are next to you And the evil angels back off into the corner and they're like, wait a second, I don't want to be around this person because they got holy angels with them and they've been with the Lord, right? Because people could notice that the disciples of Jesus had been with Jesus. It says they took note that they had been with Jesus. And so the evil angels backed off from from God's people because they were really spending time with the Lord. They were talking to God in prayer, they were in the scriptures. They were connected with God. They had the power and the protection of the Lord that was with them where they went. And so evil was cowering in the corner when, when God's people were walking around. And we just pray that God's Spirit will be with us, that God's angels will be with us, that our minds will be in the right place, connected with the Lord, and that we'll be, we'll be abiding in Christ, walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God. And so the Lord wants us to be wise about the kinds of situations that we put ourselves in, that we get into, um, having other believers with us, like Jesus often took His disciples with Him, is a very good idea. In fact, I think it's, it's protection and it's safety. We need that kind of support. When Jesus sent out His disciples as missionaries, He sent them two and two, right? So that there was extra support, there was extra help. You could encourage one another and help one another and pray together. That's very important when we work, especially in these days. These times are very trying and dangerous times for the world, and we want to make sure that we're on the right path. There's a scripture here that we can look at in Isaiah 33 about what needs to happen in our lives as we prepare for the coming of Jesus. Isaiah 33, verses 14 and 15. Isaiah 33, verse 14 and 15. Who can read that one for us?
1: Sinners of Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring, devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh upright, uprightly He that despiseth the gain of oppressions and shaketh the hands from holding of bribes that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil.
0: There we go. Okay, so the Bible here tells us about sinners in Zion who are afraid. And it says, Fearfulness has gripped the hypocrites. So... In in Zion, that's reference to God's people, God's holy mountain of Zion, Jerusalem, the holy place. And so here you have people who were sinners in Zion. Unfortunately, you know we have this kind of stuff happen all the time, where we might be living a life of sin. We're in the right place, but our heart is not in the right place. Right? That that our life is not surrendered to God. That we are not experiencing really the purity and the holiness that God desires for us to experience. And so it says that fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. And they're asking the question there, who among us can, can dwell among the devouring fire? In other words, who can dwell among a holy God? Because the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire against sin. He is a consuming fire. And the Bible tells us here, in the next verse, verse 15, The answer to the question, he that walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppressions, so you don't get money by hurting other people, by oppressing other people, you don't say, all right, I really duped those people and I got myself a good deal. That would be a sin. That would be because where is the love for your neighbor? Where is the love for your brother? Like You want to be honest. If, it, you know, if it's a good deal or it's not a good deal, or you know, whatever kind of deal, it is, let them know. And say, hey, you know, this is what it's worth, this is what it is. So do you agree under those terms, right? And be honest with people. And so we don't want to have the gain that comes by oppressing other people, by hurting other people. So the Bible says that we need to despise the gain of oppression. Despise that kind of bad dealing with people and it says that you shake your hands from the holding of bribes you're saying no no i'm sorry i'm not going to take a bribe you can't buy me out you can't lead me to do that because i know it's wrong it's immoral i'm not going to take a bribe so we need to shun bribes and bribery it says he that stops his ears from hearing of blood and shuts his eyes from seeing of evil you know we have to keep our minds pure and the only way to do that is to protect the avenues to our soul, the avenues to our mind. It says that you will probably have to close your eyes so that you don't see evil. When that picture pops up on your internet, you know, that it's not supposed to pop up, whatever it is, you know, something suggestive. Maybe you're driving along the road and it's a billboard sign and it's suggesting evil. The Bible says, close your eyes. Don't close your eyes around the road, but look the other way, right? <laughs> if You're driving. <laughs> Okay, make sure you know where you're driving. Um, but, but basically the Bible is saying, do not, do not open your eyes to see evil. Something that's sexually suggestive or other kinds of things that are being suggested that are evil. Bible says, close your eyes, bounce your eyes. Somebody's wearing something inappropriate. Don't look. There's that. You recognize? Okay, that's not good. Bounce your eyes somewhere else, right? We have to learn that. The Bible says that Job made a covenant with his eyes that he would not look at a young woman lustfully. That's pretty powerful. And that's purity, that that God put that desire in his heart, that desire for holiness, to not go in the way of evil, but to follow righteousness. And so if somebody is promoting things that that lead others to sin, that could lead us to sin potentially, we have to, to recognize in a moment, ah, that's not a good thing, and scan somewhere else, right? Look somewhere else. It's a covenant with your eyes the lord will help us to recognize in the moment that something is not good the bible says protect that avenue to your soul because what you see goes into your mind and those pictures stay in your mind you can remember things and it pops up later suggests impure thoughts impure thoughts start spinning in your head and it will cause you to sin right it will lead you lead us into evil and so these things are triggering Our thoughts what we see with our eyes what we hear with our ears and so it tells us also that we need to stop our ears from the hearing of blood how many people are spending their time calling it entertainment to watch murder on TV right they're just like oh yeah let's watch that show let's watch this let's watch that killer whatever it is and they're they're all about blood they're all about murder they're all about theft and they're all about adultery you know, all these kinds of programs that are offensive to God. If you ask yourself, would God, would God want this kind of thing in heaven? Would God ever, ever allow this kind of behavior? Does God want me to, to watch this? You know, because if it's, if it's evil, then he doesn't want it in our lives, does he? Because it's going it's to lead us the wrong direction. It's going to lead us to think the wrong way. And the, the things that people say that are of the world, God says, no, I don't want you to think that way. I don't want you to watch that. I don't want that to be the model for your life. And so the Lord is saying that you need to stop your ears from the hearing of blood, close your eyes from the seeing of evil, and just think about what's coming into your soul. And that automatically gets us to put out a lot of things from our lives, you know. And you had a quick question. Yes.
1: Well, since we're on this topic, I think it should be said. Because people, like when you talk about an addict, you go straight to the extreme. When you talk about something like this, you go straight to the extreme horror movies. And it's not always the case. Not always the it can case. It could be something on, on daytime TV that is not glorify the Lord, yeah. that is desensitizing you to sin. That's, right. that's very important for yes. even young believers to understand, or whoever.
0: It's a slippery slope, right? Very slippery. Where, you, where we say, like, well, like, I don't think this is so bad.
1: Yeah, they don't cuss in this. But then,
0: awesome. but then, you know, the influence of that, then, okay, the next thing doesn't seem so bad. And then maybe the next thing doesn't seem yes. quite so bad. Because we are being desensitized by the wickedness of the world incrementally yes. that the devil's trying to trying to suggest in there hey no, you know this can do this so we really have to very carefully just cut out a lot of that stuff from our lives and say you know what this is not going to lead me down the right right way you know and soap operas are some of the famous daytime TV shows that, that yeah but a lot of them promote things that are just terrible and these days you know even the commercials are promoting terrible things. You have to watch out for it. And they're promoting lifestyles that do not glorify God at all. And it's just very popular today. Sin is so popular and nobody even blushes about sin. In fact, you're the enemy if you call it sin. They don't want to call it sin. And so there's all kinds of of impure, wicked relationships and lifestyles and things that people are in. And may God help. May God help the people of the world, that people would turn, because God loves people, right? And God wants people to see that those ways are impure, that those ways are sinful, and that the power of Jesus Christ through the gospel can save us from our sins. God wants people to know that, and that's the good news, right? That's the good news of the gospel, that there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ to change us, to change our lives. And there are biblical principles that as believers we need to follow, we need to practice, so that we can experience the power of God transforming us. So that we can experience the Gospel unhindered by these things, right? I mean, if the Holy Spirit is working to lead us to be more like Jesus, we don't want to allow the counter-influence to start leading us down that wrong path, right? So we have to make those choices to say, okay Lord, I'm just going to stop my ears from this. I'm going to shut my eyes from this. And I don't want a wicked thing before my face. You know, in Psalm 119, David says, I'll put no wicked thing before my eyes. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And the Bible tells us that even Lot, that in seeing and hearing, he vexed his righteous soul from day unto day. In seeing and hearing. That's exactly what comes in through the media of today. Mm-hmm. So many filthy things we have to say, Lord, help us, Lord. You know, help us to discern. So, nothing that defiles. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21-27 that nothing that defiles will enter Heaven's pure and holy gates. So, God's message is to get ready now. God's message is to prepare now. The Bible gives us several passages um, on following His Spirit. Let's take a look at Galatians 5, 16-25. Galatians chapter 5. Verse sixteen through twenty-five. There's a little section here. Who can read us several of those verses? Galatians five, verse sixteen. Sixteen through eighteen, if someone could start there.
2: So I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify. Desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinner's nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law.
0: Okay, thank you. And so essentially, that's under the law of sin and death. Um, The Bible tells us more about that. When you compare this to to what Paul says in Romans 7-8, and Paul mentions three laws there. He says there's the law of my mind, which is God's law, which is righteous and holy. He believes in that law. It's good. He wants to do it. And then he mentions that there is also another law that he sees in his members, the law of the flesh, and it's working against the law of God. It's working against the law of His mind. And then he mentions in chapter 8 of Romans that there's a third law. He says there's a law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets me free from the law of sin and death. So how do we overcome the sinful nature? It's by the power of God's Spirit. It's through following the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you notice here what it says in verse 16. He says, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I I am dead certain that all of us have been there where you're struggling between the flesh and the spirit. You've been there. And even as a believer that sometimes you have those moments where the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and you're like you're in a battle and you recognize there's a battle going on like whoa wait a second here this is not something I should be thinking about this is not something I should be entertaining. Like that was a wrong idea, or I maybe even said something wrong or did something wrong. And you know, you, you kind of feel bad about it. You're like, why was I thinking that? And we we have to realize that you're in a spiritual battle. Realize that the devil is attacking. And then realize that the flesh, the flesh is somehow, somehow coming up, right? Rearing its ugly head. And you need you need the power of God's Spirit. You need to pray, Lord, save me from this. Lord, lead me, Lord, fill me with your spirit, so that so that I only want to do what you want me to do. So that I don't want to do those things. And so the Bible says, when we walk in the Spirit, then we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the, the flesh is trying to crave or lust, but if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we make a choice to turn away from that, see God helps us to get the victory. God helps us to overcome those temptations. And we need that without being led by the holy spirit we're not going to make it we need the holy spirit to lead us we can't overcome in the flesh there's no way we need to overcome through the power of god working in us through the holy spirit working in our hearts we need god's strength every day and so there is a spiritual warfare a spiritual battle now people out in the world they don't recognize that there's even a battle they're like hey this looks good that will feel good i'll enjoy that moment so Let's go, and so the world just dives headlong into sin, and they don't even feel guilty about it because they are not connected at all with the Spirit of God, and their mind is not enlightened by the Word of God. Right? So they just psh, dive right in. They don't even think it's a war. They're like, Hey, what's the big deal? Why not? I don't see anything wrong with it. People relying on their own wisdom. Ah, I don't see anything wrong. When when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, when God enlightens our minds then suddenly you recognize, oh, wait a second, this is not good. This is not right. This is not something that would glorify God. And I don't want to have any part in that. So suddenly you realize, okay, you have a a scruple about something because your conscience has been enlightened by the Spirit of God. And God helps us to realize that there's a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. So just realize if you're recognizing there's a battle, if you feel that pull, but you're like, wait a second, that's not right then recognize that it's the Holy Spirit who's helping you to realize that, right? And so God is saying, hey, you're realizing that, now call out to me for help. Call out to my name, Lord, you know, Lord, save me, right? Like Peter, when he was stepping out on the water to come to Jesus, and then he started to sink, and he said, Lord, save me, and Jesus saved him. Jesus lifted him up from those waters. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and call out to Him in the time of trouble and He will help us. There's the power of God, right? So this is how we overcome the, uh, the flesh. It says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is a powerful, important Bible principle here that much of the world has forgotten and frankly, much of the Christian world has forgotten today. That they're not, they're not following or living by This Bible truth that somehow they think, oh, well, if somebody has feelings a certain way, well, they should just indulge in that. You know, God doesn't want you to be lonely, right? Or you, you know, you feel this way or you feel that way. And they think, oh, we can just go ahead and do that. And so people have departed from the Bible. They have departed from the truth. And God is saying, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So God wants us to overcome through the power of His Spirit. And it says that the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That is especially the law of sin and death. And again, we're also not saved by the law, we're saved by God. But you know what? The Holy Spirit will lead us to keep the righteous law of God. The Holy Spirit leads us to do what God says. He inspired the bible didn't he yes. god is one father son and holy spirit are all in agreement verse 19 says now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft say goodbye to harry potter right, <laughs> right. Um, idolatry and witchcraft hatred variance emulations wrath strife seditions heresies envyings murders drunkenness revelings and such like So even yeah, even drunkenness is on there, isn't it? And envyings envy of the heart, selfishness and envy. That's not of Jesus, not of the Holy Spirit. It says, "Of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall what not inherit the kingdom of God." That's verse 21. So if we choose to live in sin, will we inherit the kingdom of God? No. Will we be ready for Jesus to come? No. We would be on the other side. We'd be on the wrong side. It says, look, if we follow those things, we're in big trouble. People who are stuck in, in these sins are in big trouble. God needs to help us. We need His help. We need to recognize we need His help. We need to come to the Lord. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, that's like self-control, right? Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Can God change our hearts? Can He change our desires? Crucifying the flesh with the affections and lusts. What if we have a wrong affection? What if we have a wrong, a lust, right? A desire, a desire that's not holy. It's not a holy desire, okay? It's a fleshly, earthly, sinful desire. Can we, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, overcome by the Spirit of God? Right? Because that's what it says here. It says, if we belong to Christ, then we crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. So those people who are saying you can live in the church and be a faithful Christian and practice sin and follow the flesh, whatever your carnal desires are, People who are saying that are not preaching the Bible. They're not teaching the message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a false Gospel. It's a false message. They're telling people to live in sin. God is saying repent from sin because if you live in sin, you won't make it to heaven. Because you're not following the Holy Spirit, you're following the flesh instead. And those who follow the flesh are not following the Spirit, and you just can't be in heaven if you follow the flesh, right? So God is telling us today that we need to be cleansed from all filthiness of the Spirit and the flesh, that God wants to take all that evil out of our hearts. He wants to remove it, and He wants to do it now, not later, somehow magically when Jesus comes. No, the time for that to happen is today, before we've hit the grave, you know, or before the Lord Jesus comes. Let God purify our hearts today. Let Him purify us now. And so the Bible says in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay? So, walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is all about love and truth. And God wants us to go that way. Now, in Galatians chapter 6, there's a couple verses I want to mention here briefly. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And this is what it says Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So the choice is ours. God's saying, do you want corruption or do you want life everlasting? Right? Right? And he says, God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. If you sow a a lemon seed, you're going to get a lemon tree. Right? If you sow a carrot seed, you're going to get carrots. If you sow a watermelon seed, you're going to get watermelons. So whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And if you take care of that and nurture that, it's going to grow. And it's going to become a big plant. And that's the kind of fruit that's going to grow. And so the Lord is saying, look, God is not deceived. He's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And if we choose to sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. So if we choose to indulge ourselves and, you know, do things we shouldn't do, say things we shouldn't say, watch things we shouldn't watch, lust over things, if we choose to do all of that, then it's going to reap a bad harvest on our souls. And it's going to feed the flesh, and the flesh is going to kill us. But if we will choose to follow the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Lord, I know that those things are bad, and I don't want any part of them. And we say, Lord, feed my soul with the truth of heaven. Lord, feed my soul with the word of God. right? Lord, get me into those things that are good and pure and holy. Lord, turn my thoughts upward, so I'll be thinking about heaven. I'll be thinking about purity and not the evil stuff that's all around here. You see, God can help us to think on another level, to think above those things of the world and say, you know what, I don't want any part of this. And God wants to retrain our minds. He wants to retrain our thinking so that we we will follow the spirit and not follow the flesh. And so the choices that you and I make every day, you're either feeding one dog or another. You've seen or heard of maybe dogs fighting You know, the one that you feed is the one that's going to win. So do you feed the spirit by reading the Bible every day? Do you feed the spirit by praying and connecting with God every day? You know, asking him to guide you? Do you feed the spirit and starve the flesh by saying, okay, wait a second, that book or that magazine or that picture or that stuff, you know, that's not of God's spirit. That's of the world. So I don't want it. Get it out of my room. (laughs) Get it out of my house, right? Get it away from me because I don't want it. So the more that we put away those things of the world and we say, no, I'm not going to let it come through my ears. I'm not going to let it come through my eyes. I don't want it. You're saying, I will not sow to the flesh, but I will sow to the Spirit. I will seek God in His Word. I will seek God in prayer. And God is going to help us to grow and become more like Christ. Can you say amen to that? Amen. God wants us to be more like Him, to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we can live the Christian life and be victorious in, in these times of trouble in the last days as the earth is growing worse and worse there are just a couple verses left to look at christian lifestyle in the last days i want to look for just a moment at first timothy chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 first timothy chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 the bible tells us here chapter 2 who has that for us
1: in like manner also that women adorn themselves in a modest apparel with, with shame facelessness yeah. um, and, and sobriety not with broided. broided hair or gold or pearls or costly or red but, but which occur, becometh women professing godliness with good works
0: Okay, thank you. So here he says that in like manner, women adorn themselves in what kind of apparel or clothing? Modest. Modest, Modest, right? And see, the, the trend of the world is not modesty, right? The trend of the world is revealing whatever we like and doing whatever we like, dressing however we want, and not dressing in a way that will glorify God. You see, the Bible says that when we choose to live for Christ, we choose to go all in for Christ. That it affects our every choice, even how we cover our body, even how we dress, even how we behave. It changes those things, doesn't it? When we choose to follow Christ. And so, it says here that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. And does it stand to reason that that principle applies for men too? That you need to dress? Absolutely, right? That, that you need to dress modestly. And so it says dress modestly. In other words, you're not going to dress in such a way that you are tempting other people, right? That you're displaying something that that you could actually make someone, cause someone lust to lust over you, perhaps, right? Like dressing in a sensual way. The Bible talks about some people who dress like a harlot, you know, in the Bible. And there are, there are things that people do To to dress seductively, you know, scantily clad, trying to show off different parts of their body. And you've got clothing fashions that are going two directions. They're going up and they're going down, where they're going down from the top and up from the bottom. Everything's getting shorter. (laughs) Sometimes they're in the middle, too. You're like, not sure where it's going. But, you know, everything is just showing. And the Bible says hey, modest apparel, something that will actually cover up the flesh and not tempt the eye, uh, not tempt people to lust in the flesh. You want to be encouraging spiritual thoughts by the way that we choose to dress. And so that's the principle that's being given here, that's being laid down, that godly Christian women who follow Jesus Christ will choose to dress in in modest apparel. And the same is true for men, that we don't want to dress around, you know, seductively. And of course, in this world today, there's so many people, men and women, who will lust after Anybody who's dressed sensually or a way that might be a little bit suggestive, right? So we have to be very careful how we choose as a Christian to actually cover ourselves in this world, to actually dress. We want it to be modest. And he says not like costly array, like, you know, oh, let's go out and find the most classy, expensive stuff. Like it's okay to find something that's good quality, right? Something's going to last. It's okay. Okay. But we don't want to find necessarily like, okay, let's go find the most expensive brand we can find, right? Get kind of showy. That's not the spirit of Christ because that's the spirit of the world, isn't it? To take those things and kind of like live the show, right? And Satan's always changing the fashions of the world and putting our attention on stuff of the world and things of the world and what people think about us because of those things. You know, Satan is always trying to mix all that in there and get people going down the wrong road and thinking about self and glorifying self instead of glorifying Christ, and then pleasing the world instead of pleasing Christ, and becoming popular with those folks instead of becoming popular in the eyes of God, like, that's my son, that's my daughter. You know, God wants us to to recognize that we are His children, and we are representing Him and glorifying Him and not glorifying self. And these principles carry through when it mentions the other thing here. The word broided hair and it, it, it's not just about having a braid or something or fixing your hair. You should definitely look nice, <laughs> you know, look presentable. But what some of the Roman ladies would do is they would, take, they would take gold and other things and weave it all into their hair and kind of deck themselves out. And then they'd get a bunch of jewels, like jewelry, you know, they'd wear all that. And so this is not something that God wants us to get into. The gold, the pearls, cost, the array, and basically jeweling ourselves, decking ourselves up, Right. Because it's not about glorifying self, it's about glorifying Christ. And remembering that God made us, and He already made us with enough holes in our body, right? Mm -hmm. He already made us the way that we need to be, that we don't have to go changing it up. And so, the the principle is here, and I'll just mention, this is in your notes. Um, If you were to look at... Teresa just got off the work. Okay. So if you were to look at, you know, 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, it gets on to this again. And it's really interesting that if you go back and you look at some of the older Bible commentators, like, for example, Adam Clark's Bible commentary, you know, he comments on these verses. And he says, yeah, we shouldn't be putting on all these things of the world. And if you also go back and look at John Wesley's explanatory notes, in particular on 1 Peter 3, uh, 3, verses 3 and 4, He says this, he says, the wearing of gold by way of ornament and putting on costly or gay apparel ought never to be allowed, much less defended by Christians. Can you imagine what would happen today where John Wesley comes back and says, he takes a look at the church and he's like, what has happened to the church? What has happened to the believers? Like mercy. They're wanting to dress like the world, deck out like the world, like everything, like the world out of harmony with the bible. These men, these men of the past, they were serious about the bible. You know, they wanted to follow Christ. And the question for us today is do we want to follow Christ or do we want to follow the worldly fashions because the thing is most people want to be like the world. Israel in apostasy in the old testament said, "Hey, we want a king just like the world. Hey, we want this just like the world. Hey, they're worshipping that, let's worship that thing too." People wanted to, wanted to follow the trends of the world even though they were in the church, even supposedly the right church, but they were following the wrong ways. Dangerous, right? So God is saying to us, hey, don't follow the fashions of the world. Don't follow the ways of the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Let your way be distinct. Let your dress be distinct. Let your, um, your media habits be distinctive. Your choices in life, your daily choices, let them be distinctive so they say, Hey, what's wrong with you? Why are you so different? And then you can tell them why you're different, because you know what? I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and today I choose to give my life to Jesus Christ, and every day we choose to follow Jesus Christ, and we have read what God says in His Word, and we want to follow God and not follow the world. So it gives you a chance to witness when you are different when people start to notice, hey, you're kind of different. Like, why are you different? What's wrong with you? Well, let me tell you what's wrong with me, okay? Nothing's really wrong, but it's Christ. <laughs> it's Jesus changing my life, right? It's Jesus doing something in my heart. That that's why it's different. And so it gives you a chance to witness. Some people get really angry about that. Some people don't like that. But if they don't want to, if they want to be unkind, you know, they can be unkind because guess what? They were unkind to Christ. They said nasty things about Jesus. But Jesus said, you know, I'm just going to follow God. And people who love God and love us, if they say something nasty, maybe the Holy Spirit will just convict them. And they'll be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Because if we follow Christ, then maybe they will also see, oh, maybe we should follow Christ too. Right? So so that's what God is calling us to. Uh, There are other verses here that you can look at. Isaiah 3, verses 16 through 23. We're not going to look at it now. Um, but essentially Israel was trying to dress like the world around them. Their ladies, they were wearing they were wearing anklets like ankle bracelets, they're wearing things on the around the wrists, and everywhere they had like these these kinds of display that they were wearing rings around the neck and, and it says that everywhere they were walking they were tinkling. You know, there was all this noise going on and, and jingles, right? Jingles going on. And it says that they were even mincing as they walked, like these women were just strutting it out, even in Israel. Just strutting themselves. They were like swaying hips and all this kind of stuff, trying to prance around like the world, trying to look like the world, trying to seduce like the world. And they were supposed to be the church. And God said, you know what? He says, I'm going to come and curse these women in Israel and their hair is going to fall out. That's pretty big, right? God was not happy with his people. He says, look, you're just acting like the world. You want to be like the world. You don't want to be like me. And so God is calling us to be distinctive people, to be a different people who approach things a different way. And you you can go back and read those verses. It's pretty incredible to to read those verses. And that brings us down to our two final thoughts. We have Hebrews 10.25, and we have 1 John 3. Let's finish finish on those. Hebrews 10.25 tells us about fellowship. It says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching, you should come together and worship the Lord. That's Hebrews 10.25. So according to that, we should make sure to get, get on out for worship, right? In verse 25, I'll read it to you. "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." Believers have a responsibility of love for one another. That we don't live for ourselves. No man is an island, right? God wants us to be an active influence in each other's lives for good, for God, for heaven, to encourage each other. And so he says, exhort one another. Encourage one another in the faith. Encourage each other in Christ. And he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. No, come together uh, so, withdrawing from fellowship is not an idea that's born of God. That's an idea that comes from the other side. Yeah. Because, because God also wants you and I to be an influence in the body. He wants us to be there and to make a difference and to also have the shaping and molding influence of others in our lives. Okay, and the last point is 1 John 3, right before Revelation. 1 John 3, Verse 18. Who can read verse 18? 1 John 3,
1: 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in
0: truth. Okay, so don't love in word or just tongue. Let's not just talk about this tonight, but let's do it, right? Let's experience it. That's the idea here. And the final verse there is 22. You want to read that one as well? Sure. Okay.
1: And receive from him anything we ask, because we obey his commands and do what pleases. Receive, oh, uh, what pleases him.
0: Yes. So we keep because we keep. It says, notice that that our prayer life will become more blessed and more powerful as we choose to follow what God says. It says that we receive the things we ask of him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. In other words, we have a relationship with the Lord. And so God can really connect with us. We can really connect with Him. And He can really answer our prayers the way that He wants to answer our prayers because we're choosing to do it His way. So, you know, praise the Lord for that. Final question for us is, would you like to live a life by the grace of God that will continually please and honor Him? I pray pray so, right? Let it be so in our lives that we will truly follow the Lord and prepare for Jesus to come because He is coming very soon. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your blessing here tonight as we have studied your word. Lord, we just thank you so much for the precious word of life, for the precious truth of heaven. May you cleanse our souls and please do your special work in us, Lord. During this time of the judgment hour of Earth's history, We pray that You will be cleansing our souls, that we will be cooperating with You to seek after You, Lord, to search out our hearts and really to ask You to search our hearts. And then together, Lord, that we can cooperate with You and have those things removed from our lives that You do not desire to be in our lives. Please remove the evil from our thoughts, from our characters, and please guide us in Your love by Your Holy Spirit that we may glorify Your name and that we may shine as lights in the world, Lord, to the glory and honor of Christ Jesus. We thank you for this, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.